Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio, episode 52. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Introducing a new incarnation of world-renowned spiritual teachings, Higher Balance Dojo. Dojo is Higher Balance's latest digital training membership. Inside the Dojo studio, you'll find loads of curated content, handpicked and organized to help you learn the most important lessons and techniques that are guaranteed to bring about spiritual transformation, initiate real mystical experiences, and inspire you to reach ever-increasing new heights on your journey to spiritual awakening. Sign up for a $1 trial to Higher Balance Dojo now and experience it for yourself by visiting hbidojo.com. That's h-b-i-d-o-j-o.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash higher balance. Designed by the rebel guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training. Accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Order now and we'll include a free guide listing three techniques you can start doing right away to hone your psychic mind. In this episode, Eric reveals strategies to manage your energy throughout the day and feel your best. Learn how optimism contributes to your well-being and discover the difference between biochemical emotion and true emotion. Then, learn how to increase your economic success with this little hack. Enjoy. Welcome to another podcast of Rebel Guru Radio. So the first question is, how do you manage your energy to feel your absolute best? That depends on a case-by-case situation for each person because some people are going through maybe a depression. Some people are just doing their normal day-to-day life. Other people may have other issues. And so, therefore, I don't believe that there is a one-size-fits-all in the general sense that here, this will work for you. What I can say is try to give it a general sense that if you do feel that you have a normal life but you just want that extra oomph or that extra spiritual edge or you know what it's going to be it's very simple it's absolutely simple and this this probably is the best one size fits all is meditation 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 i mean i know it's the common sense go to it's the typical statement but let's talk about this most problems with your energy has to do with your psychological state of mind your psychological state of mind if it's dealing with issues from friends, family, relationships, work-wise, usually they're stress-related. 
And the stress is tensing up muscles in your body. It's tensing up organs in your body. It's contributing to maybe throwing your system off, which makes you feel exhausted and tired. And then spiritually, it's also very hard when your mind is not really in the right place. I often say that the worse you let your mind get away from you with stress, it's akin to saying, can you meditate if you have the flu? Or you know, do you feel like watching TV or listening to radio? It's almost like everything becomes almost disruptive to your, to your psyche or to your, your wellness. So really being able to force yourself in a situation like that, or at least doing your meditations, you're really taking control of your mind, okay, your brain, in the sense that you're, it's in, you know, it's a horse in a sense that's out of control running or trotting away. You need to rein it in and take control. That's how you need to look at it. So you start off by meditation, by trying to shut down your thinking process and relaxing it, calming it down. And in by default, this calms down your biological body. It calms down your, your dopamines and flooding with chemicals in your body, dealing with stress all the time. It's making everything kind of relax. Now, once you've done that, your natural energy, spiritual energies, call it what you want, now are able to adjust themselves or make themselves more present or begin to start dominating in a positive way or contributing more so than when they were being suppressed by, by basically the chaos in your consciousness that affects your body. So the, the general rule is meditation is, is, is really the most brilliant way of resolving, I think, the vast majority of your problems. And your, your energy and staying at a high energy is directly connected to how well you are managing your consciousness. Does that work for you? Is that helpful? Yeah, I thought that was really helpful. But let me go into this a little bit more, you know, because I do think it's it's very important. I think people understand to meditate, okay? But I don't think people necessarily understand that when you're in a crisis mode situation at work or conflict with a coworker or in a relationship or stressing over stuff, you get a, a big bill in the mail and you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize this was coming. This is where you you have to have sensibility. You're going to panic react. This is primitive. So we've gone to, oh my God, there's a hungry lion going to leap over the, the cliff to get you as you're hiking through through nature millions of years ago or whatever. We're, we're made to panic in a sense to survive, okay? Now, in modern times, it's getting a really big bill and we're panicking to the big bill much the same way we may have done or to some level like the lion. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's just things have changed, but the biological basis of how you react to stuff is still coming from this core primitive state to some degree. So it's it's almost overreactive and we 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 don't really understand in that moment what we are biologically processing. We're just we're just kind of automating this this panic mode or this stress or we may not be screaming aloud but inside we're we're tensing, okay? And so what what I think in most cases is most people feel the tension but they're not aware of the fact that they're being tense, okay? So you're affecting your body, you're walking around in tension 24-7, and most people are, by the way. You, you would never know. You get accustomed to, that's just who you are. You don't really self-reflect, self-awareness. This is why these words are in spiritual development. Self-awareness is to, to be in check with 
where am I right at this moment? How am I feeling? Okay, what what is going on rather than just automating and doing through life, being preoccupied with talking to people, doing your work, everything else. We we often just get accustomed to a state of unhealthiness, if you will, or tension in us, and we're not aware of it. So a lot of people should understand that meditation doesn't necessarily need to just be in your room, quiet time, throw your mat down and do your, your progress, you know, your, your process of, of meditation. Although if you're doing that twice a day, you really are building up an immunity, if you will, towards chaos being thrown at you. It's like you, you are designing yourself to cope and deal with that in a better way. So Kung Fu, like you're able to just snap, 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 and just maneuver the problem without it sticking to you, creating this chaotic process in your body. You, you have a certain discipline to manage it and deal with it probably much more effective because you're calmly dealing with it instead of going through a reactive level. But you can go out to your car and take that time out and apply your meditation process in your car, in a restroom, you know, in any space that you can find that you won't be disturbed for five minutes. You don't have to do a full on 20 minutes. You can just do it at the desk at work if you need to, or if you're working outdoors, find a place to sit down and just, you know, deal with it, you know, go down, shut down everything. And I often say, call it a time out for yourself. The, the logic is this, by, by panicking, are you problem solving your problem or your stress that's affecting your energy, your consciousness, your spiritual evolution, all of these things, are you in any way benefiting by problem, by solving your problem by having the stress in you or letting it run its course? The answer is no. Okay. You, what people don't really think about is, is that you can take a problem and contain it in your in your mind in other words uh, kind of uh, solve it uh, you know you know assign it a box and say i'm going to take a time out i'm going to put you to this side it doesn't mean that i'm ignoring you it doesn't mean that i don't know you're there you will know the problems there okay but what you're saying is is that i don't need to make myself ill sick stressed tense, lower my spiritual energy because I'm dominating it with my, my anxiety and my other issues. Okay. So by telling yourself and logicalizing, will my problem be better, any better four hours from now with all my stressing? The answer is no. Okay. Mm -hmm. So why utilize all those resources in your body for no, for no reason? It's, it's really comes to me down to the fight, you know, or flight kind of level. It's just, it's just coming out differently in relationships and problem solving and everything else. It's just different degrees of it that you're internalizing. So the more self-aware you become through a practice of self-awareness, that's, that's a whole nother thing. Okay. Means that you do this check-in with yourself and you ask where you're at. So you can solve your problem probably better with a clearer state of mind then you will going through a whole automated process that you're not even aware that you're doing, that you're stressing. With a clear state of mind, often people who meditate, most successful people meditate, okay? Mm. It's almost as if your mind is problem solving in the background and you all of a sudden have the answers start coming forward like epiphanies. And you're like, wow, I, you know, oh, thank you. That's great. That's a great idea I just had to solve my problem or, or how I can resolve it in different ways. I think that 
if you can allow yourself or train yourself or convince yourself to start being calmer about various stresses in your life, I think that you will train yourself to be more effective and quicker at solving those problems. This is a conversion, if you will, of lifestyle and automation that you've learned to do in your day-to-day life. You're, you really have to look at it as a transformational process that you need to do on yourself over months by disciplining yourself to rewire how you process stress and issues. So I would say literally on a, on a weekly basis, you would see marked improvements in your behavior, your energy field levels, your, your, your happiness. So you're, you're more or less switching probably from a pessimistic view in your normal day-to-day view of life and your interaction with it to an optimistic level. And all studies say that optimists technically tend to be healthier, longer relationships and marriages, and, and well-being, and they live longer. Um, this is studies that have been done over 50, 60 year, you know, levels of, of watching people at, you know, that are considered people like something terrible happens and they're like, they're like, well, it's bad. Yes. But you know, everybody's safe or it worked out or this person I think is going to come through, you know, we just have to wait, but you know, they take a more positive position. This is de-stressing. This is how they bring their, their, their stress level down. If you think about relationships, do you want to be in a person personal relationship with someone that you consider constantly stressed and that vibe, that energy, that communication, that anxiety is often put on you just by proximity to them? Or would you rather be with somebody that has a great sense of humor, is an optimist in how they look at things and we'll get through this, don't, don't worry about it, we'll work it out, we're a team, I'm there for you, yada, yada, yada. This is a person who's who's helping your energy, if you will, your consciousness, your well-being, because they're contributing to a mode that allows a clearer level of thought where your resources of consciousness aren't being put into stressing your body, creating a million different negative scenarios, you know, and you're going through them all, creating more stress, which is very typical, where you've got to catch yourself doing that. You got to say, nope, 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 nope. This is not useful. This is trained behavior I've learned. And I need to, to just shut it all down, clear my mind, and then let your higher consciousness solve the problem or work with you to solve the problem. And it will. I hope that's useful. Yeah. Um. So when you ask me energy, I think spiritual energy is directly correlated to physical energy in many cases, meaning how you're thinking, how you're processing, how you're doing day-to-day life habits and interaction are going to directly affect your discipline mentally, spiritually, and your self-awareness to allowing higher levels of, of spiritual energy as much as physical energy and physical consciousness. Okay. Um, what would you say, like, the um, like when you realize you're in that stress response? Because you, you said that um, not a lot of people realize they're in that stress response. Is there like Correct. some kind of... It's automated. Look, like, I am probably yeah. the worst person to be giving advice on <laughs> how to be in a more spiritual, positive state, okay? okay? But then again, I'm probably very well qualified from a, a weird perspective of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know it's, it's like often when you look at, you know, video stuff and everything, you know, I'm like having a breakdown, you know, like my, my trolls and haters will create these, these hacked versions of whatever, you know, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. well, it's true, but it's, it's, it, you, they're not showing you the whole thing, you know, no, but no. the point is, is that 
you, you, the first thing to accepting personal growth, okay, and the fastest way to have personal growth is accepting the fact that you, you not, you're not always going to be in control. You're not always going to be able to catch yourself in that moment. The, the key is, can you catch yourself at some point and try to do that? I, I think of it like this. Uh, imagine that there is something that's moving very quickly and it's large, like a vehicle, let's say, okay? And it's out of control, the brakes are off. It's not the gas pedal, it's just the weight of it moving down a very slight slope, okay? And there's a, a bunch of ducks crossing baby ducks down the street. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God. Now we're talking a very low grade, so it's kind of moving slow, but fast enough it could run over the baby ducks. So you can't get in the car, it's locked. So you jump out and you're trying to, to hold this truck back, but it's pushing you along. But in some weird way, you're slowing it. You're contributing to maybe some of that inertia. Maybe you're slowing it down by only seconds or tenths of a seconds, but you're, you're assisting in, in that timing of where it would have ran over the ducks versus can the ducks get across you enough. At some point, you're gonna get exhausted and have to step away and it's gonna slowly start picking it up. Now you gotta jump back in and try to slow it down again. The point is, is that at some point you are going to possibly either stop it completely or you were effective at slowing it down so it didn't run over the ducks. The ducks got enough time by a second or two to get out of the way, okay? okay. So the, the, my, my, what I'm trying to say here is that you're going to get upset and you're going to get more upset at the fact that you are not able to control your anxiety the way that you would have wanted. Do you understand? Right. In so doing, in a weird way, it contributes to more anxiety and frustration and self-failure and uh, okay, mm. where you should look at it as I'm, I'm chipping away at cooling off my mental process, maybe faster to get to that point where I'm just going to deal with it until the point that you keep working on this as a, as a form of calming yourself, that over that three month period, you're really getting very effective with how you're dealing with that process, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people, I, I don't know if they, <laughs> I can, in the, in the past, I think I'm better now, but in the past when I was younger, you know, I, you know, I would have staff that would mess up complete stuff that they, that was, what, I'll give you one instance, okay? I'm, we, we've got this huge event, and all these people, and everybody's there, it's a paid event, it's very expensive for people, I'm trying to make sure I give them 100%, I want to give them the best you know, lecture and teaching and class that I can give, I work with the staff, this is our entry music, this is, this is how we're gonna do the lighting, You know, this is how we're gonna do everything, everybody's assuring me, Everything's under control, Eric. You're being, you know, over meticulous, you know, rolling their eyes at me. I'm being, you know, too demanding. And I'm like, okay, fine. I, I have to, at some point, trust that they've done this job dozens of times before, okay, which I have had problems, which is why I stress to them they've trained me to really try to make sure they're, they're, they're you know, I'm micromanaging to do their jobs, okay? And they're rolling their eyes at me now, which is almost more agitating, and now I got five seconds to go on stage or, or a minute or two. Boom, hit the cue, I'm getting ready to enter out, the music comes on, and it's not even close to the music that we agreed we were gonna play and rehearse 20 times. It's like something that is totally counterproductive in my psyche for what I'm, I want to come out and create a vibe and a feeling through the music, 
and now that's completely been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Now I have to go on the stage and do I make a spectacle of myself and make a scene because I'm very angry at that person, you know, like, why, you know, but, and, and I, now I got to pull my shit together and, and perform while I have this really major issue. So mm-hmm. I, I hate to use this because people will be like, God, the spiritual teacher is using UFC now as, as a comparison. Isn't that a bit extreme and violent, you know, whatever. The point is when a UFC fighter is in a state of mind, they're, they're really like, I'm going in there, I gotta conquer my fear, I've gotta find my, my focus, I've gotta go in there, and I'm gonna take a competitor on that, that I have to defeat to win, okay? Now, this is just one way of looking at it. You can look at that as a, a person who's gonna sing an anthem to a massive audience, okay, for the, for, you know, the national anthem, or you can, whatever you want, I'm just trying. So they have a piece of music that means something to them, Mm-hmm. And it's to motivate or inspire them or something they can relate to. So when they when they kind of get on, when they're ready, showtime, they're, they've really created everything in their favor mentally so they can deliver 100%. Now imagine if that fighter's coming through there. It's the fight of his life. He's got to be under enormous pressure, okay? <laughs> and instead of playing Eye of the Tiger, they, they play the, the, the hills are filled with the sound of music, Okay. There's nothing that guy can do at this point. It's already, it's only not a full song. You're getting 30 seconds maybe a play, and by the time they run to fix it, it's already over. You know, it's already, it's already impacted that psyche, okay? So, so this is where now I'm on there, and I'm, I'm, I might say to him, how could you mess that up, Bart? And the whole audience is looking at me, and they know I'm pissed, right? But they're like, God, he seems very overreactive because they don't have a clue all the work that went into that and and how much importance was valued that this goes flawlessly and the fact that they were rolling their eyes at me that they won't mess it up okay mm-hmm. so so now i can either complain on stage and make a scene out of it or i can just keep myself under control put on a smile and just roll it off and keep going which is what most people would say you need to do not me okay that ain't gonna happen somewhere's in the back of my head the teacher saying if i embarrass him in front of uh, a few hundred people he's never going to do that error again and roll his eyes at me so i make a spectacle but here's the thing judge me on that fine and people have okay Mm -hmm. where people are not given any credit (laughs) is because literally after i'm done bitching and complaining and really having my hissy fit you see an ultimate conversion of my state of mind. And then I'm like zeroed in on teaching. I get in the mode, crack some jokes. I'm, I'm there. I'm on it. But I've put that aside for my issue because for the next two to four hours, I've got to absolutely be 100% and blow everybody away. And I think everybody who's sitting here would, would agree. I hate to use that. I don't want to be ego-wise, but I believe I deliver. That is a great skill when you go from 100 intensity and you drop it down. Most people would not be able to function. Do you understand? Yeah. So for me, what I've, I've done is, is having to deal with this kind of stuff pretty much on a regular basis back in the day. Okay. People rolling their eyes at staff, which is very disrespectful, really feeling I'm being overreactive, okay, and then finding out that I had every right to be this way, okay? I'll give you one more more instance of, of so that you guys can relate to it. Am I boring you? You, you look no. like you're sighing a little bit. No, no. Okay. Is I, 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 I won't give names, but, but 
back in the early day, you know, we had a very tight budget launching Higher Balance, very, very tight. And um, I mean, I was eating ramen noodles and hot dogs in, in the early days, okay, just to keep the, the business trying to build, okay? And that's no joke. Uh, we ordered for the first time for a manufacturer to make the foundation set. That's four CD ROMs that were in there. And so like music, they, they make the CDs, they label it, they record them, they package it, they do fancy wrapping, fancy, you know, everything, everything. And it's, it's expensive, but we could no longer produce them by hand, which is how we originally started, okay? And it was the first time we were doing it, and it was, you know, to us, which was all the money in the world, I believe it was like around five grand to have these produced for us. And that's considered a small batch, but it's all, all the money we could scrape together to do this, okay? Mm-hmm. So each CD's one, two, three, four, each has different information on it as you go through the CDs for, for that particular class, okay? Mm-hmm. The person in charge of it, okay, was to make sure that that all the CDs were correct, all of them were in order, that, that everything was done. Not really complex. So I go in there and I go, look, we're getting ready to put this order in. Have you made sure you've re-looked at this, reconfirmed everything, made sure that all the CDs are correct and have the information on them, blah, 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 blah. Yes, Eric. And I'm like, okay, look, I don't want to be reactive. Can you just one more time go through this before we give them the go and and have them make this because there's no going back Mm. the person sighed looked me in the eyes and i swear to god rolled their eyes at me okay Mm. and they were more or less saying they had other stuff that they had to do okay but if i really wanted them to and they've done it already multiple times they would do it if that's what's going to take to make me happy okay so you know what i said i was like you know i'll trust you Okay. Uh-huh. Now, lo and behold, this is true story. True, true story. You can yes. you can ask the, the the people who were there. Okay. Yeah. The CDs come in. We get these big crates. There are a huge amount of them. Okay. Beautiful. We're so excited. We feel so professional now. It's like a, a whole landmark step in the process of of us really you know legitimately getting our stuff out there. Okay. And we all of a sudden have a client or, or one of us just happens to look at the CDs to see how they're going to sound compared to us doing them at home making them, you know? We're like, oh, it must, the sound must be way better. Lo and behold, I can't say what order it was, but it was like disc one and two were the same and three and four were correct. So I had two ones, mm. but I was missing number two and three and four were correct. Wow. The whole process there. So yeah. do you understand that? On my revelation of this, I had to calm myself, okay, and that person was upset, and I had to be like, all right, well, don't worry about it. Let's fix it. Let's just deal with it, which was good, but but there is this whole, what, what is it going to do for me to scream and yell in that particular case? It's different for me in that case situation than it is for me to deal with the audio person, Okay, my feeling is the audio person was doing their job once every couple months for these shows. We've done a number of these shows and constantly had the same problem, constantly or similar problems with everybody else, but in different ways. So to me, there, there's different ways of, of dealing with it. And I couldn't afford to just fire somebody and bring somebody else on board because that's everybody's thinking, well, why don't you just get new people? I couldn't afford them. Okay, mm-hmm. so at the end of the day, I'm trying to make this self-awareness. Uh, you you catch yourself and you got to ask yourself, can I control this? Can I get it under control? 
And I think different people naturally do things differently. Like I can say that, that, you know, Aaron who's sitting here, I don't think he screams and yells. I think he internalizes the problem and it stresses him out and it makes him not able to function at work and do stuff. Okay. I don't know you well enough, Mark, but you seem to have probably a little bit more of the optimistic view, I think, or at least you try to. And at the end of the day, I think you stress, but you do it differently. Me, I'm vocal. I mm. want to just let the pressure out, say what I got to say, mm. and then it's like I'm kind of over it. Do you, do you follow me? I move on. Where most people are wondering, am I still mad? I'm like, no, let's go get a pizza now. I mean, literally, I'm over it, okay? But it's just a different developed way of dealing with it. And different problems, different things. Stressing over something that's not necessary to get vocal over. Do you see what I'm saying? Where I'm working with other people, okay? You, you've, you've got to realize you're going to have days where you don't catch yourself. You're going to have moments where you're finding that you're doing it. You have to focus on the fact that you are skilled enough with your self-awareness that you can self-check that you're doing it, that you're in a bad place. If you can do that, that's a huge major score because the next question you have to ask yourself, do I just sit and bathe in this anxiety or do I have a method by which I can help myself deal with it? And the answer is number two, you have a way to deal with it. That means to take a time out, meditate, clear your mind and tell yourself, I'm going to put this aside for a few minutes Take a time out. When I'm done, you can come back worrying about it. But the point is, you worry about it less and your mind is clearer. And the more that you can get in the habit of taking that time out when you feel that anxiety, the more you are shaping and molding your consciousness, your brain, your neural system to work and process this kind of stuff on a much better level. So it's almost like you're training yourself a new habit to when you... Yes, you're, you're literally... Situations. But everything about how you deal with stuff, how you perceive things, how you process stuff is actually learned behavior. Right. You you yeah. pick it up from family members on young as you see how your father deals with issues fighting with your mother or over other issues. You see all these different things and because biologically <coughs> there are some contributions from them, maybe in some ways we also react or process similar because our wiring is similar. Do you see what I'm saying? Genetically speaking. Yeah. Sociologically, we imprint that. We deal with it the same way. You'll find that. I always say, if you want to know yourself, as much as you don't want to, take a hard look at your parents. If you take a hard look at your parents, you will see certain qualities in them that you've inherited. You'll also see that they're qualities that you've worked really hard not having because you don't want those qualities. Okay? Mm -hmm. Or the fact that you may see them in yourself and you might want to change them. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not to say that you're identical. It's just to say that you may pick up certain processes in their nature and their how they communicate or react to things. Okay? Mm -hmm. So everything else is from you going out in life and learning from other children you play with, the things that you observe from grandparents to family to whatever. These are the things that are contributing and designing your psyche, including your biology. Okay? So if you have family that tends to be very calm, very self-disciplined, uh, a mother and father who, who, who are not vocalized in their, in their frustrations with one another, okay? I find that usually the children act very similar or they've inherited 
that form of, of discipline. The problem with that is, hence the, 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 the angle that I go with, with, which is vocalize my thoughts and feelings, okay, mm-hmm. is they end up really destroying themselves inward unless they've learned to meditate or whatever. They hold everything in mm-hmm. and they make themselves ill, okay? And they just kind of learn to cope and and hold it all in. I'll, I'll give you a different way of looking at it. You know, I've been dealing with with attic insulation and learning all about that. And I have a good friend of mine who really kind of is certified in it all. And he says that, you know, attic and insulation is all old technology compared to new stuff. But one of the points he made, which I think is very interesting, is that as sunlight is coming down, you're talking about infrared microwaves or whatever, okay? And it's actually, the insulation is absorbing the heat. It's not shielding it to bounce back. It's absorbing it like a battery until that battery starts to get really full with the heat it can't hold it no more before nighttime comes and it can displace it so if it exceeds that on a very hot day by the amount of time it has and how fast it's heating up eventually seeps into the house and that's how the house gets warm so the insulation can only absorb so much energy per se okay so my point is is that a person who internalizes a lot of issues, days, weeks, months, whatever, eventually that energy of them absorbing it is going to seep in into their organs, into their nervous system, into their health, and that's going to affect it. So if if they have time to displace it per se, uh, that's awesome. If they don't, then that's when they have usually a psychological breakdown or illness or something like that. So the real way is to say the ideal person is going to absorb it in a way, but also they're going to take their meditations and their self-discipline, and that's a direct way of more or less distributing that energy out in a way. It's, it's controlling it so the battery doesn't overflow. You're discharging that, that battery because you want it as low as possible. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So I think people have different ways of coping that they've learned and either good habits or bad habits. If you Now look at this and say to yourself what I said in the very beginning. If you meditate twice a day, what are you really doing with that battery? Well, you're, you're uh, discharging it. You're discharging day. it, precisely. Yeah. That's why it's so important to consider meditations. That's probably one of the big attributes of meditating. And when you think about problem solving in your consciousness, you think about genius ideas from, you know, Einstein to, to you know, uh, Nikola Tesla or Edison or all these people. One of the things that's very interesting is, is that they have uh, these things where, where they have commented about them meditating or clearing their mind. And that's when they usually have the biggest breakthroughs consciously to what they're working on. Okay, now look at that in terms of you with your problems. The more you you allow the stress to happen, it's more likely the problem has an extended life in your in how it's affecting you. Mm-hmm. The faster way to problem solve that ironically is to do just the opposite, clearing all the the surface superficial process of thinking, sh- kind of getting it all to relax and allow that higher part of your consciousness that can can problem solve better to step forward and give you the answer. Right. Makes perfect sense. Because they're both working on it. Yeah. I just think it, it's not going to shout over the, the rattling on of your normal thoughts 
And so it's just, it's just kind of waiting for you to, for it to tire out like a child. Mm-hmm. And when it's finally tired out over hours, days, weeks, or months, all of a sudden you kind of get this, this thought process and you're like, wow, why didn't I, why didn't I think of that earlier? Why didn't I, why did I make such a big fuss over it? Mm-hmm. It almost, almost kind of becomes like not effortless, but just, it just kind of flows to you. Yeah. You, and and if you can train yourself to do that, then, then this goes back to the original question. How do you put yourself in the base, best state of mind? How do you keep your energy high? That, that's how you, you really have the biggest effect. Now, of course, there's energy movements. There's doing mudras. There's all these things that really take it to the next level of self-discipline. But look, the, the reality is this. We no longer have, in the sense, the luxury of a spiritual master that we look at in modern times that lived thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago or, well, probably over a thousand years ago. And we say, this is the model of calm, clear, and perfected. Oh, sure. You know, if you can just walk around and, and with your bowl of rice and knock on doors for, for people to hook you up with some rice and you can calmly relax and you're always walking in nature and, you, you know, this is your entire life or going to a cave or hanging out in the forest to meditate with your students, yada, yada, yada. Wonderful. Put them in the real world, okay? Our world and tell them now you got to provide, run a business, do your business, do your job, meet your bills, do all these things. I'm pretty sure their anxiety level would start ramping up. Now, they would have to double and triple up on their self-discipline. But the real question is, is would they change in their disposition of how they, they do things? If you look at current models of that where you have your American Buddhist or whatever, most of them work in their life calmer systems that contribute to that. So they might move over to computer science. So they're working more by themselves and working on a computer, less interaction, less stuff like that. Or you have people who become Buddhist monks and stay like at the Zen center. They all live up there. I don't know how they provide for themselves, but they extract themselves from the day-to-day chaos. Why? Because it's, it's too stressful for them. You get what I'm saying? Or their methods that they practice are not necessarily keeping them in the best place all the time. And so eventually they need to extract because they're probably more sensitive to dealing with that stress than, than maybe some other people. Mm-hmm. So you, you do have to look at in modern times how other people who, who you could say look calm, serene and all this, what are they doing in their life that may be different than in our lives? Do you see what I'm saying? And do they lose their cool at any time or do they tend to have stressful moments and how are they really getting that back under control? So now you've got to take in the next level that most people don't even think about. Am I overwhelming you guys? Is if you want a certain level of financial success, the problem with that is, and you want to be very spiritual at the same time, there is kind of a a somewhat conflict of interest. We don't always get to pick and choose how we make a living. Do you understand? We, we, We could. But that doesn't mean that your life built up a certain amount of skills that is applicable to making a living. And then all of a sudden you discover meditation, you discover all these things later in life. But now you got to use your skills to, to really make your living with what you really know and learned in life. Now you could either restart again or you're going to be like, no, I, I really like what I do, but it's stressful. That's why I want to meditate. But usually what people aren't thinking about is that the third part, it's stressful. What is that stress in your work that you want to calm down? What is the level of it? 
that level of energy has to be appropriate for the level of meditation to distribute the amount of energy that's absorbed. Okay. So choosing your line of work, choosing the friends you're around, choosing the family situations you put yourself in, it doesn't just have to be work. You, you want to minimize the sources of energy that are being distributed to you and say, can I mitigate some of this stress naturally and absorb the stress from my work to make the success I want? And can I release that energy that I've, I've, I've done through the methods that I'm practicing without making myself have to meditate for five hours a day? I see what you're saying. So if you have a, a higher stress job, you'd say you have to compare. Think of it as energy. Yes, energy it's, it's a very good way to look at it for people really kind of trying to approach this and wrap their head around mm. that problem. Mm-hmm. is think about it as energy. Ask yourself, what are your stresses? Can you contain that? Can you resolve that? Or do you want to fix it and it just keeps coming back as a problem? Some people are in relationships that are just toxic and they can't psychologically break themselves from the cycle of the relationship they're in because they, they deeply still love that person. So can you go to a therapist then or a counselor or something to either A, resolve the problem or B, help you resolve the fact that you have the strength to let them go now you've resolved that problem so it's just you just have to decide to what degree you want to take stuff but you first have to recognize what are the sources contributing to your stress and what are you willing to do to mitigate that energy in order to problem solve it okay perfect because yeah and so i think um in modern times it's easy to judge other people, particularly me. I'll defend myself. Um, it's it's easy to say, oh, he's not spiritual because he's screaming and yelling. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say to you, and being a realist, because I think there's these fantasy gurus who behind the scene have their own mental breakdowns, and you hear about this through people who actually knew them behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. What you're getting is a package deal to the public, Okay, Mm -hmm. and you're like, I want to be just like that. I'm going to be this way. Why can't I be like him? I've been trying for 10 years. Okay, because it's BS. It's complete Mm -hmm. bullshit what you're being packaged as a product versus to how that person really functions behind the scenes. Okay, so I like to think of myself as trying to be a realist and saying what you really see for me is the real deal. When I have a meltdown, I'm having a meltdown. When you see me switch and have to be focused and deliver 100% and just wow people, that's the part you need to do that. In my day-to-day life, okay, depending on what I'm dealing with, you would may, may say Eric does it, deals with extreme stress, but he really really mitigates it amazingly until it gets yeah, yeah. to so much, I have to deal with that. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's more fear and more realistic, and it's a better model for you to start deciding how you want to shape and mold your life to make it more relaxed. I can tell you I was more relaxed before I started Higher Balance, yeah. okay? And then had to deal with day-to-day bills or people with the CD rock. I mean, literally every day, and anybody around it could tell you, I have to deal with stuff like the CD-ROMs with the people rolling their, their eyes at me, okay? It never seems to cease. It just morphs into some other issue with somebody else that day, you know, with some other thing that they're working on that I'm just like, why? We talked about this. Why? And then it's like, sorry. I'm like, well, sorry, don't give me nothing. This gets me a fat bill and I'm, I'm, I'm in the hole trying to climb out again. Yeah. It doesn't really affect you. You just say, well, it's the company's problem because I was working for the company. Got it. I understand that. So it's, 
I think it's it's unfair to not only judge other people, okay, spiritual people in, in that sense. I think that you have to say, also, is it fair for you to judge yourself and your own progress without understanding everything that I just said? And if you apply this process of, of absorbing the tension as energy and how you're going to let it go before it really seeps in, okay, and becomes destructive, or you just simply blow your top, okay, the, the real question is, is by recognizing that, will you empower to have better insulation or more insulation? Because now you're looking at it like, I can, I can understand what's going on with me. Or I'm feeling a level where it's building up and are you self-aware enough to say, I need to go somewhere and deflate or distribute this energy I'm building up? Right. Okay. I hope I'm not I talking it's... too much. You know? <laughs> my fear is um, you know, my anxiety. It, did I do a good job communicating something very complex to explain? That's, all, that's, that's me being me. I want yeah. to do the best that I can. I'm a perfectionist. And I want to look you guys in the eye and you're like, wow, we really get it. We're real, we're real happy with that. That makes sense to us. Or there's this dull, you know, glaze in your eye where I've, I've inundated you with information and it's over, it's too much and you're falling asleep, you know? Right, right. No, anyway, think, let's there just was, keep moving. There was a lot of that, yeah, that clicked for me then there. Um, so, I guess this kind let me, of ties let me in. Make, see, I'm running, I'm running now. If I was to say anything to anybody, one of the most powerful practices that you could do that's actually very simple is to get into the habit of once every two hours checking in with yourself. Okay. It's brilliant. Yeah. If you can set a timer on your phone every two hours, you just do a simple chime. And I know there's apps out there that do it. Mm -hmm. And you know that's when you stop whatever you're doing and just for five seconds you go, what am I doing right now? Wait a minute. I've been stressing and I haven't even thought about it. My, my train of thought is, is going on this problem, okay? Yeah. You, you then go, okay, do I need to do a timeout to deflate this or try to calm myself down or relax? Or am I still in a good place you know, or good enough to keep working? But if you get in, this is self-awareness. This is incredible for every spiritual level you can imagine, Okay, including psychic, which I think is a different category than spiritual. Okay, so the point is by learning to check in with yourself, you accelerate your 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 self higher consciousness development because the biggest part of really higher consciousness is how aware are you checking in with your own consciousness, your own reflective self, your own awareness of self, rather than observing other people and other things exterior to you. So I sometimes I tell people put a rubber band on your hand, you know, once every hour or two, just give it a gentle little snap. It's a physical kind of hey, and you you're training your your mind to to uh, maybe start working in a different way. But training your mind to to change a, a pattern in life, you know, if you guys want me to go in that, I can make another good point. Sure, okay. It's, 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 well, this is because I don't, I want people to have success and not have failure and they don't know why they failed. They just accept the fact that maybe they don't have enough discipline. Maybe they don't have what it takes, whatever. And that's complete rubbish. It, it's usually, did you have a good teacher to kind of work with you to explain what to prepare yourself for and how to make this a good productive process of really making your consciousness change in a good direction? One of the points I want to point out is that Often friends, family, co-workers, life partners are contributing and they are molded as part of you. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Hang on. All right. What what I'm saying is is that when you think about your own design, okay, and you think it's me that I've I've got to work on, I want you to think about it a little bit differently also. Instead of like thinking how you're going to wire your brain or try to get your brain to to assist you in thinking differently or processing problems differently, I want you to think of your brain as a collective hive of people. And that part of your, your neural system is your life partner, your friends, the, the work environment, that these are all tied to your brain with their brain. So think of them as server computers that you may access or interrelate with for, for information or data, which oftentimes don't realize is emotional information also, body language information that you're not even aware that you're observing, but you are, and you're, you're reacting to it, okay? You're also reacting to the neural system of your work environment, the sound of music, the way it feels, the background, whether there's an argument or not, is there always people debating on contracts and, and deals and there's tension you know, popping up there? Are you subconsciously reacting to that because you're attaching your mind to that empathically or whatever way? So when you look at your own practice of wanting to change yourself, you've got to ask yourself, does this person in my life have a tendency to push me over the edge or do they, are they overreactive? Not in a bad way to me, but their anxiety makes me anxiety or what they start talking about starts getting me going and I'm not even aware that's happening to me. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're molding. Let me, let me come at this differently. I find, and, and, I find that most times, not all, but most, when you have a couple, uh, a man and a woman who who are new in the relationship, I often see that they're kind of their own unique selves, okay? But as time progresses, I've observed that usually, usually in all honesty, it's the woman because they're always trying to appease and make the guy happy because of society, and I, I've got my issues with that too, but mm. the point is that they, they start to take on the ideology uh, systems of the male, okay? Mm. Usually politically or viewpoints or, you know, uh, a lot of things, and they, they, you know, because they have to hear it again all the time, and they don't want to argue and then that person may, may be kind of pushing their, their thinking process up, but they, they tend to change, okay? In rare cases, you know, a woman will change the guy. And ironically, that's always the, 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 the cliche in, in life is to say that a woman always, you know, feels that they can save a man or change a man or make them better. And the truth is they usually absorb that person's issues and problems into themselves in, in that process. And that's the sad part. Uh, because they're more nurturers. And mm. so the, the point is, is that when you decide you want to, to really move yourself to a higher state, you can't just identify your triggers, your problems, and, and how you're processing problems. You've really also got to look at your environment and the people that you're neurally connected to, at least on a vocal, emotional, daily processing life, or who do you share your problems to, and how do they process, because you're going to mirror some of that. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea is to take some level of your higher self, meaning the rational part of you, let's say, and reevaluate your life and the people in it, and don't expect that you can just cut all these people out. That's just ridiculous. The, the point is, is if you can recognize problems in their own character you need to ask yourself am i mimicking this am i mirroring this am i 
I'm, so am I adapting this thinking process because of the solutions they're giving me? It, you know, is that problematic how that solution comes to be? Do you get what I'm saying? You know, so maybe I shouldn't take on how they're processing. So you want to look at all these aspects in your life because spiritually that, that contributes also. This is why I say spiritual people seek out isolation. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it helps rule out all of these, these factors to a certain degree. But in so doing, you extract yourself from life. And I often say, you know, spiritually our job is to be present in the world to affect and, and assist the world and not extract ourselves from that. But sometimes you need to extract yourself to find yourself in order to go back in the world to effectively help the world. So there's two ways of thinking about it. Right. Does, that, does that help? Does that make sense? But if you can be talking to someone and then you're listening to them and all of a sudden you start seeing like, mm, I'm, I'm starting to kind of watch their way of processing rather than just taking their advice or doing that. When uh, Another point I want to make is that, you know, you, you, a lot of things psychically are really just sociological, okay? And that's the thing you got to keep in mind. The worst part is with a spiritual person, a white cell versus a red cell, someone we would consider not spiritual in the sense that we are, okay? When someone starts talking to us that we, we are sharing or bouncing our frustration with and they're responding back or they're absorbing it or reacting with you or getting upset with you, hopefully not, you know, the, the, the real thing is, is that can you in the moment recognize that you're empathically bouncing or feeling or they're, they're, they're fanning the flames of stress in you? Do you understand? The moment you can do that, the moment you look at them and say, is this person contributing in a positive way or are they contributing in an anxiety way? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's where you've got – the second you do that is what I'm saying is, is that you've now assisted in your isolation of taking on anything negative. You Just from that thought process of observing them on this different level rather than just being in the moment. You're kind of observing the reactions of people, how they're affecting you. And that in itself extracts you to a certain degree from being affected. Okay, that's a good point. I know, I'm boring I'm just rattling along. Yeah, a lot of info. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole new level. There you go. But the point is, is that, you know, like I said, I think the other secret is, besides checking in with yourself every so often to see where you're at and all this other stuff, is you've got to create a process in your life that is is realistically feasible to make part of your life in an ongoing way, a, a living style. If you say to yourself, I'm going to meditate for two hours a day, it's like me saying I'm going to go on a hardcore diet for the rest of my life, Okay. That ain't going to work. What I need to do is adapt a lifestyle of cleaner foods, better living, and I know I'm going to have bad days or moments somewhere, somehow. I'm on the road. I can't get what I need for the quality of food, but I got to eat. Now this creates a cycle. So the, the idea is, is can, what is the most realistic system you can set up right now until you decide you're, you're ready to up yourself, okay, to incorporate and teach yourself to be successful with how you're trying to go. I think people tend to bite off bigger bites mm-hmm. and it leads to failure. And in their whole life, there's a series of attempts and failures 
that become it's itself a daunting, depressing process of their psyche. What you want to do is you want to set yourself up with successes that you incorporate into your life and you no longer think about having to do it. It's just simply part of your habits day to day. That's a good point. It's definitely work helps me a lot too. Just so in other small, words, smaller yes. Yeah. Don't deal with everybody in your life that's a problem. Just try to work on one person or two people that you think you want to start looking at that. You don't have to change them. What you have to do is you have to recognize what their negative qualities are that may be affecting you. And don't try to change people. You know what I'm saying? Work on yourself first so that you're the best you can be before you try making somebody else better. And in so doing, when you can recognize that a person has certain habits or features, then you you really have learned to upgrade yourself and, and kind of filter things that you get from that person that may be negative. Oh, I see. So it's it wouldn't... You, you shouldn't try to like change them or point it out to them at first. No, just, no, no, just no, no. Become aware don't, that, don't force that change in other people just because you want to do change to yourself, okay? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it is a case-by-case situation, okay? But what, what you need to do is if you look at people in your life, let's say you have a partner, okay? You look at your partner as the person in life that's going through things with you. But they neurologically and psychically, spiritually, emotionally – are different than you. So you guys both may be facing a problem with bills, money, financing, other stress that starts to become relationship problems and everything else. But that person has a tendency to go into a deeper or slightly deeper level of anxiety than you. But you're mirroring that without realizing you're doing it. So the first thing you need to say is, have I ever really looked at this person to watch how they process and how they deal stuff? Do they fidget? Do they do they raise their voice? Do they start banging pots and pans? Do they do they start, you know, what what are they doing in the sense that's that's kind of angsting or feeding into my anxiety without me realizing it? I just just go, oh that's just how they are, you know, they're, but they're in my life, but I know why they're frustrated. But you don't realize you're taking that in. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You're like, I know that's just how they react. To it. So you gotta say to yourself, is, is this in any way affecting me or fanning me unconsciously to create more anxiety in myself? When you, when you realize their, their, their MO, their, their, their process of how they process, now you kind of have subconscious filters as to, to how much they affect you and you can allow the, the positive things and, and filter the negative. It's that simple. Okay. But if you forget about that process and yeah. you move on with your life, then you're just going to go back to old habits. Yeah. But that comes up with the reminder, setting a reminder to, yep. to remind yourself. Yeah. Okay. This is one question that I had: is uh, what what's the difference between biochemical emotion and like and true like higher levels of, of emotion, and how would that relate to like spiritual development? I, 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 interestingly enough, uh, you know, I can't say one way or the other, whether, you know, this is scientific fact or not. I don't, you know, uh, all I can do is, is try to share things that, that I have gone through, through my own self observation and self study, if you will, and, and convey that thought as one human being to another in that sense. Okay. So when you talk about the biochemical process and the whatever other level there may or may not be to emotion, because some people might say that all emotion is biologically based, okay, I don't think so. Mm. I, I think, and this is going to get really deep, okay. <laughs> uh, 
I see, and we're talking white cells now, we're talking spiritual people, okay? Uh, people who really know me and read my material know that I don't believe everybody has a soul now. You know, that's the big, like, what the hell? Everybody, everybody's got a soul. Well, that's what you've been told, you know, through, through religion, society, and everything else. That is, of course, the compassionate viewpoint. Got it, okay? We can have this conversation all the time, but I don't mean it in a sense like they're soulless, like they're just wicked people. I just mean that if you, a soul to me, is someone who self-reflects and in that process of self-reflection on any level spiritually, okay, is this all that I am? And you, you ask that question and think about what you are at least once a month and you, you're falling into the white cell zone, okay? So that's just something we can discuss later. So you've, in a sense, have created, in my opinion, a, a second body, I call it. So if it were a soul, what does a soul look like if you were to extract it from the biological part of you, assuming it's all energy, okay? What does that look like? Does it have a shape? Does it have a body? Is it globular? Is it is just fog in the air with a glow? Is it is it shaped like your body, okay? None of that matters, and I've got all the answers for that if someday we want to go into it. But right now, it's coexisting with your biological self. So in a sense, it's like saying there's a mirror and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and they're both you. Do you follow me? Mm -hmm. But the real you is on one side of that mirror. The question is, is which one is it? Okay? For, for what I'm going to say, that part isn't necessarily important at the moment. So what is important is that you, you have what I call dual vessels. This is how you move up to that next level of understanding. So it's to say that your body is to your soul or your consciousness, okay, at some point when you separate it from the brain and it's more independent, as it is to your car, to you. You are the soul, the car is your body, okay? You get in the car, the car, for more or less, does what you want it to do, okay? It's, it is reacting to your reaction. It swerves when you swerve emotionally to move the car out of the way. It has limitations. And as true is, if the car has problems with it, it doesn't mean the driver's got the problem. It means the car's got the problems. By default, you have a problem. Does, does that loopy loop I just did make sense? Mm. So I don't believe that if the body is ill, damaged, sickness, harmed in some way, that that is really a negative against the consciousness that's residing or coexisting, working through it. Do you understand? Having said that, okay, your your body has, for survival reasons, through, through evolution, survival mechanisms. Those mechanisms are driven emotionally, which are biochemical. Those biochemical reactions primarily are for you to react very quickly to crisis situations, whether it's a warring tribe just jumped out of the bushes at you guys, or it's an animal jumping out at you guys, or whatever reason, it's usually based originally on the need of survival, okay? So now you've got the emotions that set off to your body organs and stuff to start pumping out adrenaline, get your muscles working faster for running or escaping or fighting or whatever. As much as survival means for other stuff. That's your, your prime emotional stuff. The other thing is to look at emotions in the sense, what, what is the purpose of emotions? Emotions, in my opinion, primarily are designed to motivate you to reactions for different situations. Protectiveness over your child. Protectiveness over your family. If you don't have 
a state of consciousness which is created usually by contributing to some level of anxiety, okay, in some cases, you won't necessarily react. So for preservation biologically through evolution, emotions biochemically are a necessity to the the security of us evolving as a species, okay? And we learn now almost all animals have emotions, by the way, okay? Mm-hmm. So in, 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 in that sense, what I'm saying to you is, is that biologically, I think for the most part, everything is run on chemicals, okay? The brain is running on a majority of chemicals with some electrical impulses to tell glands to squirt out your, your various chemicals that create the tension in your body or reactions or you know whatever. Adrenaline has to, to be distributed out into your body. Electrical current does that to make it extract out or go into production, okay? But the chemicals are the majority of what you're reacting to through the tension in your body, breathing faster, you know, your, your eyes dilating. That is all still directly connected to your emotions as part of the biochemical process of reacting for survival or or whatnot, even falling in love, even being in love, even it's ensuring the production and procreation of a species. As smart as we've gotten and we maybe have controlled some of those things, we still innately have those emotions built in us, largely biochemical. Uh, it would probably be true to say that when you're trying to get over somebody that you're really in love with because they booted you, let's say, or something happened, okay, or God forbid they pass away, every time you look at a photo and identify that person, your brain shoots out chemicals through glands to make you re, re-emotionally heightened, okay? Because in its mind, it wants you to have a connection with that person for procreation, let's say, okay? So I often say, if you're breaking up with somebody, get all their pictures out of your life, get their name out of it. Even hearing their name will make you create chemicals that are released in your body because it wants you to to mate it wants you to bond it wants you to have a commitment okay so i hate to look at it like we're machines but again a car so the point is is that your body in my opinion has chemical reaction the only way to control that chemical reaction which is to do with anxiety all the stuff we were talking about earlier is once again self-awareness calming yourself okay Clearing your mind, devoiding yourself of what? Usually emotion is followed up by a thought process. They're usually interlinked hand in hand. So if you deal with one, you affect the other. Okay? So you you then tend to be less chemicals pumping and reacting where you've never given that much thought. So I have to say, people in my opinion opinion are often like drones, we march through life doing our chores, our basic stuff, our survival. We don't even think about what we're doing. Usually we're in our head thinking about stuff, but we're automating. It's only when we have an interaction of some type that, that really disrupts us that we have new emotions popping all over the place, and that's biochemical. So by learning to, to be calmer or keeping your mind under check, the reaction to those uh, abrupt adjustments in your life tend to be better amounts of chemical release or lower amounts in that sense. So you have better control of how you feel because it's contributing or amping your emotions. It goes back to your emotions. That's what what usually these things contribute to biochemically. Having said all that, am I boring you? There is this other thing which we will call a higher self, and that is your spiritual body, the body which is another body just like your physical one, but instead of it being designed to march around in a three-dimensional world that we're in, okay, and interacting with stuff and feeding your organic body, you know, glass of water, whatever, 
you have a coexisting dimensional body that's that's existing inside of you okay so just like if you were to imagine in your mind your body and then we would say okay imagine if you had no skin what does that look like pretty gross but but muscles and nervous system or whatever and you could see the two comparisons and we say now move over to the next image and just have your neural system show up with no muscle tissue okay so boom you have that as a third view of what what you are okay you say okay let's remove all that just leave the skeletal so now that's it in a way you could say that in some ways those are bodies but they're not they all contribute to make your body okay but if you were to, to ask me, is there anything else that we can make as the fifth uh, thing, I would say, okay, take all the electrical energy that's moving through your body to make your muscles expand and retract and thinking process and neuros and all of this electricity and just take it out of you and just let's see what that looks like by itself. You would see what looks like a silhouette but filled with sparkly energy, let's call it, or little, little like, like, fog that's energy glowing but that's your entire electrical process there without the nervous system to show how it's moving okay i would suggest that in a weird sense that that is your other dimensional body okay that it has its own consciousness that in a sense is independent of everything to the right of it meaning all these other bodies but when you put it together it contributes to this whole process that you call it yourself okay so in, in essence, the, this, this energy body, if you were to ask me, okay, so what part is electrical which is contributing just to the body and what is higher consciousness? I say, okay, let's imagine that one color is pink representing the electrical currents in your body that are biochemically created just like car battery or light battery, okay, in your body. Let's separate the two kinds of fog and the one to the right is baby blue sparkly energy and that is really your dimensional soul that's really who you are so when you wrap them all together they're coexisting does that make sense okay, okay so now that we've kind of covered all of that brr, okay you're you when you talk about the 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 other emotional aspect of you Okay, meaning does your dimensional body, we'll call it your soul, whatever you want to call it, this, this other part of you that I'm saying is coexisting with you, that you're building, that you're feeding, that you're making stronger, that's coexisting to the day that you're ready to depart. Am I losing you? No, no. Okay, to when you're ready to depart from your organic body, meaning death, have you created a vessel to carry that consciousness like a, like, a, like a boat onto the ocean to move across to the next destination. Your, 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 this dimensional blue energy body that I'm calling at this moment your soul to represent it, okay, is still a body. It's just different than how we look at it organically with cells and muscle tissue and everything. It's just a different kind of container. Your body is a container. That's a container. So somewhere in that is your data, your memories, your thoughts, your consciousness, your perceptions, all of those things are, are alive in there. And in, in, in another way is that to say that everything that you experience in this life, it's like a mirror and the, the reflection is creating a copy of all those experiences, okay? So that copy or whichever one is real, it doesn't really matter, is, is imprinted onto that blue soul in it. 
So all your data, your life, your con- who you are, it's your soul. Your soul is inside mingled with this blue energy, okay? And that body is designed to take you across that ocean or into the universe before you incarnate or move on to something else. Do you follow me? Yeah. That is the more real you. So the, the question is, is, does it have emotion? And the, the answer is, we want to relate emotion and thought and our self-identity to how we feel at this moment organically in the human body, like how we're talking to one another. Mm. The point is, is that it does not necessarily feel or emotionally process the same way because it does not have muscle tissue, it doesn't have adrenal glands, it doesn't have all of these things. So all of your, your base emotions, okay, are largely contributed to primitively evolution for survival, making you bond with people, making you fall in love for procreation, making you bond for survival, for hunting and working with others, creating trust and all these things. They're there to, to strengthen the survival mechanism of you as an organism in life, okay? Your, your dimensional self has a level of all of those things. But I would say to somebody, if you want to try to understand it is, take your very best day of feeling emotionally just kind of nothing, okay? Now some people would go, oh, that's that's horrible. No, 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 no. When you really feel devoid of emotion, there's this incredible calm in you that is almost nourishing. It's, it's like at the point of feeling ecstatic love and comfort from, from the universe, I would say. It's like totally safe, totally carefree, totally anxiety-free. You just, you just feel this nurturing connection to the universe. There's nothing else distracting your mind from feeling it. There's nothing telling you think about this and you stop thinking about the nurturing, okay? So that feeling, if you feel it or even some level of it, is very, very desirable once you you have that experience. And usually people who meditate or do spiritual stuff know what I'm talking about, okay? It's general life that takes you out of it, okay? That is really your, your true level of emotion or in that sense. You can still have compassion. You can still feel love. It's just not processed in the same way. It's, it's different and you you could say in some ways you're more indifferent about stuff, but let me let me explain something differently. If you realize at that moment that you're alive outside of your body, your relationship to reality changes dramatically. I'm not going to cry over certain people dying because I know there's life after death, so on and so forth. Now somebody might say, "Well, you just said some people are soulless, so how do you don't live on?" That's a whole other discussion because there's a compassionate thing that I will say to all that and everybody will be like, I can live with that. That is kind of like a soul and it makes absolute logic and there's a truth to that. So so people have a way of carrying on. It's just, there's just different uh, understandings, okay? So before they try to hang me for all that. But the point is, is let's talk white cell. Your perception of time changes dramatically because time is no longer reflective on you. Do you understand? So time is irrelevant. Time is something that exists in our reality that's affected upon matter as we understand it, not necessarily in the form that you will transcend to. Do you follow me? So your your emotions 
that we relate to right now take on a whole different perspective of understanding and how you would react to those things. It's, it's in, a, in a way, in a small, silly way, is to say um, your feelings about Christmas approaching, not for everybody that are adults, but for, let's say for most people, is probably less anxiety about it approaching for the, for the joy of it and getting gifts like children would do. And they're all like, I can't wait. It's driving me nuts. Versus you now emotionally where you're at with it. You're like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to have to spend a lot of money. Good, good for you, bad for me. Mm-hmm. But, but the reality is you're more calmer, more disconnected from the same relation emotionally that they're invested into it and what's creating emotional reactions from them. Does that make sense? So on a super level, as you reflect on human life or your life as a human, you almost immediately have this really big leap in maturity and understanding and the sense of how you perceive it so you react differently to it. So at the, the end of the day, what I'm saying, and I've, I've forgotten already how, how the question's worded, okay, is work on your biological emotions through your meditation, your calmness, and everything that we've discussed already, which contributes to that. And the more that you get that under control, the more that you actually reside or are become closer to that higher level vibration that's in you, that, that has that, that, that sense of inner balance and awareness. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Two-part, uh, two-part question. Um, you sometimes maybe will tell students, or uh, ideally, in a normal way, to cooperate with life. You know, meditate. Let's say twenty minutes a day, twice a day. Yep. Um, creates a balance. It's realistic. Uh, but is that truly enough to actually get? them to where they truly need to be uh, if they really want to take it to the next level or to, next to, level. to really see big changes. Like, look, that that is, once again, loaded question. That I would say to you, if you look at everything we talked today, because everything I teach is interconnected. I don't care. 15 years back, you can listen to what I say and you can you now have a working model. You can understand everything that I teach and you, you, you'll be just like, wow, you know, that is a, a process of evolving yourself, okay? Having said that, look at your question and it's really self-evident. The answer is yes and no. Did you look at the other aspects of your life that are affecting you? What level did you extract to find the calm, which is closer to that blue level of energy, okay, that you want to be in, that you want to see yourself, that's your higher state place, okay? Or are you allowing the chaotic stuff and doing your 20 minutes? If, If you really have minimalized and gotten under control, the, the things that are contributing to throwing you mentally off course into a stress level, okay, if you've removed all those things and you do your 20 minutes, you're going to have bigger leaps in your evolution. So that battery, when, it, when you are releasing the energy in it from, from your, your issues, or you've learned to really deflect how much is absorbed because you're controlling all those things mindfully, okay, it's to say that if it's empty, what happens is you are now creating a, a void of moving into a higher state. And it's actually working at, at, at 
designing you better or building a stronger relationship with that blue portion of your consciousness or that soul or that awareness. It's now able to contribute to your psychic awareness evolving and fine-tuning itself and making it more sensitive because you're, you're not dulling down everything. You're contributing now to your spiritual awareness in relationship to whatever is all around us that is the presence of the force, if you will, or God or whatever you want to call it and conveying or feeling what it wants. You don't have everything bombarding you with keeping you from that awareness or talking with it or to, to dial into the force. All the other things are designed to keep your consciousness from achieving that in a way. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you, you are able to do 20 minutes a day and your, your life is really well managed and controlled and you're doing other stuff that are contributing to your mindfulness, meaning you, you look at life on a daily level as spiritual. When you go for your walk, you, you, you mindful of prana, you're mindful of the environment, you're mindful about how you're feeling. You don't have to be thinking about it all the time, but you're, you're mindful that your, your life begets how you perceive life. Okay, it nourishes you by how you want to take in or perceive how you react to it. Okay, then you're going to have huge leaps. But if you're going to do 20 minutes a day and you got consistent chaos in your life and you're not able to focus on other teachings that are assisting in you becoming more efficient and more dialed in, meaning other teachings from material, then you're, you're basically surviving spiritually. Do you understand? So... Some people might say, I've grown leaps and bounds. And I bet you if you look at their life, they, they either move from their family and they're living somewhere else. They've got a certain few friends, but not too many. They maybe have a job that's very psychologically low demand on them and very, you know, not so stressful. And now they're doing their meditations and whatnot. Sure, they're going to jump ahead. Do you see what I'm saying? And advance. But if you have another person doing 20 minutes a day and they've got fighting with their family, their life partner, their their job is stressful, even even give or take parts of that, you know, will will immediately tell you how much success they're they're having is based almost relatively to what's going on in their life. That makes sense? Yeah. All right. Is it two part? Is that, yeah. that okay? Uh, uh, previous classes you mentioned in, in life with economics, um, procreation is one major form of motivation. How would you, well, how would you distill spiritually the truest uh, reason? Well, 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 wait a minute. Look, let's just tell the audience what, what you're saying in that question. The question basically is, is what motivates somebody on a physical realm, not always, and we're, I tend to maybe lean towards men more than, than women in this case, okay? But it's basically sex. It's, it's to say the proverbial statement that the, the aging man who's feeling his, his age grown older, who wants to still feel like he's relevant, will go out and buy a sports car. He buys the sports car not for the sake just for buying the sports car. He buys a sports car because he wants attention, okay, from younger females who may look at him and go, oh, he's wealthy and he's secure. Now, some people might go, well, I'm not into wealthy or secure. That's not really the real truth behind it all. If you're going to dig at the truth, it's to say that if you're a female, just like in, in, in nature, okay, 
you're sizing up the, the partner based on their capability of resources, which in turn is going to give you resources to upbring children. And that's going to up the odds of their survival. Now, as much complex as you want to think we are as humans, you can always dig away at the root of stuff to our primitive nature biologically. Okay, so in, in the sense of a male being successful in life, not all of them, but some of them really realize that that process is resources and how much bling bling I got. I may not be good looking. I may not be the best this or that, but I, I can make resources which will attract women who don't really really, they're like, well, I'm, I'm not in the process of having children, I'm past that age, but you're looking for security. You're looking for your own security and that's still wired in you. That's natural, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I don't wanna overthink this because you can debate different situations. It's not just true for everybody. We're just trying to do a broad sense of understanding a general dynamic that is contributing in a big part. Do you see what I'm saying to our psyche? So it's to say that if, if you want to have success in life, then if you find a way to look at that as far as is scoring, if you will, for a male, which is a very high drive in a male because we nature wants us to create more species so the organism continues to live. This is, if you look at nature, you will see this in, in you know, scientifically, okay? So innately we have design in us, usually younger because it's, it's more likely the success ratio, but to go out and mate, okay? And to secure uh, the option to be able to do that. And the only way we could secure that in, in some aspects is to have resources that are attracting that in, in that exchange, okay? And this is what you could say in weird ways. You look at birds, and you know, out in tropical areas and they do this big dance, they do everything. But one of the things people don't really realize that often is the case is that the birds are looking at the nest that he's built. They're looking at how much bling bling he has in there for shiny objects. They're looking at the structure of it, how well it's built. If you look at penguins out in, in Antarctica, oftentimes they're putting stones together, creating nests and the, the female's looking at that going, oh, you've built a great nest. You're, you're definitely a good provider. Okay, you're providing shelter for, for my eggs, our eggs. You're, you're probably going to be a good provider for fish to food them, feed them. Okay, and the ones who are making a bad choice usually may have a lower level of success for their offspring. Okay, so this is hardwired into our thinking. So advance that into humanness, how many stones you get versus everybody else. That's like saying, can you show in some way your pretty nest by your pretty car, by your amount of money, your materialism, your house, your lifestyle? In, in a sense, some people capitalize that as a, as a form of energy to want to get up in the morning and figure out how to beat the system to make the most money. They're like, if I want to, I hate to say this, get laid, you know, I, I can't, I don't have good looks and charm, so I'm going to really double up on my efforts for my resources so that I can attract a trophy wife or whatever ideal you want or just really a good hearted person but I need to provide them something for that they're going to be interested in me otherwise I have nothing to offer so this is a, a a psyche of looking at now there's plenty of guys out there who haven't figured that out yet okay or their sexual drive is not at the level as maybe these high testosterone guys you know it's it's an irony when you think of somebody that is is wealthy that in most cases you see them kind of like, you know, machismoed out, ex-football player, blah, 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 because they kind of have this mentality. But that's not true. That's an ideology made from movies, okay? So 
it's not the only driving force. It's, it's not to say that Bill Gates had that. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't believe he did. But his motivations may have been different. And we don't know what was going through Bill Gates' mind when he built it. He matured maybe later in life. But what was his motivations of success when he was younger? Was there somebody in his life he was trying to impress with the technology he was developing? So we, we become singers because we like attention if you're, if you're a singer. Your, your rise to that success maybe is because you got groupies and you can have a good time, okay? And the more groupies you're going to do is based on the success of how many you can draw and you can pick through ideally which one you want. Just like, just like trying to pick a, a male partner for birds. You get what I'm saying? They're going to pick the prettiest, best one, okay? So once somebody figures that out, that becomes a resource measure. If women become successful... It's usually because they, in their mind, don't believe that they're going to find a resourceful person as a partner. It's not that they don't want it, okay? It's that maybe they don't feel they're going to attract that or acquire that, and so they secure their own efforts for their own life. Do you see what I'm saying? But in in nature, if you look at nature, that's not always the case, not usually the case, okay? So... Tapping your sexual drive psychologically to convince yourself, if I do this, I'm going to get laid, (coughs) you will find in most cases, not all, that your success ratio of success in your life and your economic value on a yearly basis tends to go up. Okay, I believe strongly there's a correlation there. It's hard to really fit that in with with females and whatnot, only because I think females get the short end of the stick scientific research-wise, because guys generally run all that stuff, so they tend to focus their studies on males rather than on females. Same thing with medicine. Girls are women are so much more complex biologically than a male, but yet if you look at all the studies, they're dominantly more male studies on our biology than females. It's completely bullshit. Okay, so it's it's hard to say psychologically. You know what we can really break down. I mean, I have my thoughts and ideas, but I'm trying to base this in case people want to look into it more and say, "Is Pepin right or is he wrong?" Do you see what I'm saying? So, having said that, what was the the, the other so, part of that? Knowing that that could be a fuel to motivate for greater performance yep. in life, yep. is there a spiritual mirror that we can tap? That's the same. <clears throat> driving aside from love or power is there something very deep that we can utilize or do we have to mirror well this this is a very touchy subject very touchy and i'll tell you why because we have been kind of modeled in our thinking that to be spiritual you have to be poor that material things are distractions from our practice spiritually Okay, so in that sense, which I believe has been ingrained into our genetics, really, okay, um, becomes the first problem. It's just like with me, I have so many people who shoot these really mean spirited statements and they're like, oh, it's free at first, but you know, now we got to pay, you know, $200 for this or that, and spirituality ought to be free, and blah, 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 okay. This is, I believe that they believe that, okay? And at one time, I believed that because that was a doctrine I was introduced to, okay? So I get where they're coming from. And for the most part, I I agree with them, okay? But we don't live 
2,000 years ago. We don't live when we would stand on a stone and preach to a group of people who had no TV, no radio, no newspaper, no means of reading or writing. This was their entertainment, and they would gather, and you could really upgrade them by communication just alone, okay? And that you standing on that stone, all you really needed was a loaf of bread that day to eat or some free thing that somebody would give you, and you could, you could deal with the majority of people. We don't live in that day and age. It's not to say that that's not possible, okay? It's to say that to truly be effective, okay, you've got to look in an exchange of resources and ask yourself how can you utilize them to get your word out more so, okay? So this is, is, is a separate kind of conversation, but I know I'm walking on a landmine here, okay? Uh, so we've been ingrained with that. The second reason is, is where did we really get this ingrained thinking, okay? That ingrained thinking, okay, came from, in my opinion, religion. Predominantly Christians, but I even see it true in other religions, okay? And that is, I think that religion, not spirituality, religion has hijacked and uh, really manipulated the idea of spirituality. Because what the church would say in the day is, you should lead a humble life. You should work hard. You should raise your children. You should feed them. You should shelter them. But you should give to the church to support God. This is a business model. This is, this is, this is a business model. It's not a model necessarily for spirituality. It's a model to explo exploit the spiritual need in a person. Okay? In so doing, it's, it's a bit complex, okay? But the point is, is that they have all been told that they should give X percentage of their money to the church. You should also work for the church. You should spend certain days of the week doing stuff. Build our walls. Build the cobblestones to the church. Do Build us a new, a new church. Build it from wood. Build it from this. Spend your weekends building the church for us. And then you donate tithes. And this is where God lives. Do you want God to live out in the wilderness? Okay, or do you want God to have his place, a home on earth? So you're like, oh, you got to remember the educational level at that point, the, the, all these different qualities. But the people behind that, what do you see? You, you do see the poor person at the church, which is your, your, your preacher per se, or who's ever running the church. They look humble, but now they've, they've got to remember now, they could either be out in the word, world building stones cutting wood doing stuff with their hands all you know cut up and bleedy and exhausted at night or because they're a little bit more clever they could be wearing a nice little robe with with a warm room in a church in the back and being able to learn to read and write and very comfy with a fire because the, the the villagers are giving them wood because they're cutting it they're doing all the labor for it and they're just saying here father you know have this wood other people are bringing them food because you're representing God and they're all doing the work for all this stuff and the rest of them are just giving them their money instead of contributing it to their own household or their own life within reason okay so it's a business model now the majority of resources and money the money okay the the upper echelon it's like kind of like a, a a marketing system you know pyramid scheme in a way the majority of the money so maybe the the, the preacher keeps 10 percent to run his church or a certain amount for for what he's deemed but the 90 percent is paid forward and is moves into the coffers of a bigger organized machine 
as you go up, you've got more and more revenue streams from a scattering of little tiny churches everywhere. And the more money resources, the bigger the church, the more bling, the more, the more entertainment to draw them in. But the more, the more like you got to give for God, you know, or, or somebody has something coincidentally happen that was good in a way for their children or their family or health is, you know, that all of a sudden they, they're no longer sick and dying because they prayed to God. They're, they're like, I'm going to give 50% of my income to the church. Okay, to show God that I'm thankful. Great system, okay? Think about it, okay? So, in essence, as you look at that, you see the people who are running these organizations, your bishops, your deacons, your whatever, and their, their income level is going up. They, they look fancier, better clothes, better everything. They're living higher on the hog, okay? Until you get to the top. If you look at the, the Catholic Church and you look at, you know, the Vatican, you tell me what kind of money it takes for the salary for all of those people there and what it takes to maintain it, let alone what it did to build it, but to maintain it, okay, and fix and repair things and water systems and electricity bills, all of these things is an enormous amount of money. And to live that lifestyle there, you need to really keep those little people working, okay, and contributing and con their convictions really, really emotionally involved. But they don't like to show that. They don't like to talk about that. But if you look at all religions, you often see that as the case. If you, if you look in the sense at Buddhism, okay, uh, you find very similar situations, okay? It's just not as evident because we want to say, well, they're not, you know, I don't see, you know, such and such living high on the hog like I see the Vatican people. Well, you got to look at the ratio of income for the people that are contributing, okay? Are they living out in Tibet, like in, in relatively hobble huts that we would call hobble huts compared to what we live in? What is their income ratio that they can contribute to the revenue stream going in? And what would the person at the top or the level people at the top, what would be the quality compared to them that they would be living? Well, they, they live in nicer situations. They have maybe better food, maybe, but nobody likes to show that. They don't want people to know how they're living, okay? Uh, are they traveling the world? Okay, are they doing all these things? So this is an exploitation of that. So we've gotten now in the sense, they've trained us that they say to us, you should be humble, not poor. You should be humble. You should give and support the church in the house of God or God, your spirituality. And if you do these things, God will reward you. Boom, okay. Now, move up to modern age, that's still in even new age circles for a thinking Okay, that, that spiritual stuff should be free, yada, yada. But most people don't realize how did you come to that conclusion? You came to that conclusion and you have forgotten that that was really what was ingrained to us from church and organized religion. Okay, so now they're like, well, I don't go to a church, but I still feel it should be free. Okay, so in essence, what we're talking about, because I'm trying to not get sucked into the landmine portion of that, which I'm happy to debate, which we do, okay, and I think my argument's pretty solid, is that how do you take your spirituality and say, can I be more successful, much like sex is the drive for that, because I don't want to be about that kind of materialism or that kind of wealth, but I want to be secure in life and be able to do these things. So the first part is you've got to ask yourself, can you get over the idea of needing to be humble spiritually. That's a big one to try to really take on because somewhere in your psyche, there is that factor. Do you understand? Whether you think it is or isn't, there is. And I will be perfectly honest with you. 
that relative to success, you will find, and I've watched this with people who I've really have contributed to their success in life, that they will abandon their spiritual path and move more towards a materialistic path because it, it is a form of where you put your mind. I often say that some of your best spiritual thinking and advancement and techniques and knowledge came from India. I mean, he's down undebatable. Un, un, un like, like, you'd be an idiot trying to debate that. You're talking about an impoverished people, probably more so still to this day than most countries, okay? When you don't have TV, when you don't have a radio, when you don't have travel and stimulation, okay, you are really left with, with by default, self-reflection. You're left with yourself. And when you've gone through everything in your head you can go through, okay, you start pondering deeper things in your mind. You start pondering the idea of meditation. You start pondering nature and life and, and movement of wind. And you start to see through a, a, a mount of, of observation that, that you don't have no choice to do in a sense. You start to see higher truths and things. This is what evolves one spiritually. This is why... Some of your best spirituality comes from the poorest places, okay? In the sense that that instead of religion really having taken root on them in a dominant way too much, you do have certain thinking that comes out of that that's very high evolved. So when I see people that I think are very committed spiritually and then they want to know how to convert that into the sense of how can I be more successful also, as they achieve the success through what I show them, okay, I find eventually they abandon their spiritual path, okay, and then they start wanting to go out in their new cars, their new boat, they want to go out in the little Cessna that they're flying now, they want to get a bigger, better house, they want to buy better furniture, they want to buy a bigger TV, and no longer is that time um, devoted to their own evolution consciously, it's devoted to experiencing the direct experience, which is all of these things which are now easily entertaining. Your your mind value per day has been distracted and is being entertained and addictive in a way. So materialism is a big problem, truthfully, in the end. So there's a truth to all of that. So what you have to try to do is you've got to ask yourself first, okay, can you have spirituality with and incorporated into your financial stability. The interesting thing is, is that many super successful people meditate. And I'll give you a perfect example. Steve Jobs was persistent and adamant about his own spiritual growth, okay? And was very much into Zen and various things, okay? This contributed to his success. I, I personally believe that you can be incredibly wealthy spiritually, but you have to first really psychologically understand the pitfalls of what could happen and the consequences if you're not mindful of what wealth versus your spirituality will do to you, okay? And that's harder than just saying, no problem, I can handle that. Believe me, okay? You don't realize it's happening. It just happens, okay? So, in essence, you have to really look at things in, in the sense of self-discipline 
with your spiritual teachings and incorporate that into your practices of how you're making your money. Do you understand? That is a whole nother conversation for itself, which I'm sure we're well over time already. But the point is, and I'm not trying to shamelessly plug this, the irony is, is I am looking at doing that in the EJP live tonight. So it's, it just so happened that you're, you're tapping into my, my game plan for what I'm going to do tonight. Okay, so you'll, you'll get that answer later because I don't know how long we're going, but I got to deal with stuff here um, at work. But, uh, but the point is, it, it is possible. Okay, it's what I do with, with my success. I have people who are very successful who have learned to incorporate that. Okay, and I would say some of the wealthiest, if not most of the wealthiest people in the world, all do have a spiritual or meditative aspect of it. The question is, is how far do they take it versus people like where we're taking it? Okay, I think you can have your pie and eat it too. There's no question in my mind, but you do need to understand the pitfalls and you need to do, you need to understand your own psyche because what will happen is, is this whole humble, there's there's true humbleness and then there's humbleness that's been ingrained into society through religion. Okay, that that in itself, without you realizing it, can lead to your defeat and your lack of success. Do you understand? And you don't even realize that you have that issue, but it's there. Okay? Look, you you know, I don't want to plug my material because, again, it's a, it's a touchy subject versus people who can't afford it or not. But my answer to that is the material that we sell, which is very expensive, I know it is, is what pays for us to reach out globally. It pays for the technology to do that, the people working for me to do that. If I don't have that that income revenue and the support from people out there who are listening to this, I can't continue to even do this, okay? Having said that, there are books that you can buy for $12, you know, or whatnot that essentially is what's on all these modules, you know? But if you're not a reader, I don't know what to tell you. It's just about economics for how we have structured our business, okay? And we do give a significant amount of material free. That would be a hell of an education. All you have to do is just look for it. But lastly, the digital books, if you have a Kindle or something, you're talking $3 for something that's audio that we would you know, sell for $300 or even up to $3,000 depending on what you're looking at. It's all in these books that we've put out for Kindle for, for just a couple dollars, Okay. The only difference is, is it's, it's edited and it has removed probably my potty mouth, but it is also removed redundancies where I try to explain it different ways because that person can reread it rather than audio wise. I, I have to repeat it, but it gets boring. So I have to find other ways to say the same thing. So it's, it's kind of a, maybe in a sense a cleaner view, but maybe not as effective for some people. They need the audio or the video. So it's, it's just a level of economics, but you want to revolutionize yourself if you want to really make yourself super intelligent, super knowledgeable. Get your hands on the material. You know, if you can't afford a few dollars, I don't know what else to tell you. Go wash someone's car for five bucks. Okay, you got to be kidding. Okay, as far as me teaching and making money from it, well, I. I don't like look, being looked at as a professor. I don't like look, being looked at as a teacher or a guru or, or any of those things. I have chosen to teach 
for my time and my effort and my hard work that I went without making money, okay, to educate myself no different than a lawyer, a psychiatrist, uh, any person who's knowledge based and gets something for the exchange for their time, like a professor at a college, okay? So if you want an education for me or you want an education from Harvard or Yale, okay, you're going to pay a hell of a lot more to them than the education you're gonna get from me, but you, you get what you pay for in life. I've done everything in my own respect to saying I want to teach everybody on every economic level based on where I'm at. If I had somebody hand me over a, a huge sum of money and say, now you don't have to, to work or do these things or run the business, I would overnight give everything for free. No question about it. Okay, I would make it an accessible world. But in order for me to, to continue this platform to reach other people, this is the working model in this day and age that we've evolved to, okay? Uh, in, in the old days, I would teach people, and I did that for years. I had a group of people that I would teach, never charged a penny. In fact, I worked, came home, and exhausted, ended up teaching, and a lot of people know this, okay? And people who were there then talk about the fact that I did never asked for a penny, never asked for them to build, do anything well on rare occasion, okay? But, and I would feed them out of my own pocket when I didn't really have the, the money, but they didn't have a lot of money. So when somebody says, how many people did you reach doing that over a decade? Oh, three people here, five people there, okay? How many people are you reaching now? I'm global, I'm global. I'm, I've reached hundreds of thousands of people, okay? So you tell me, what what that is. Most people who have access to it are, are angry because they may not be able to afford it or they feel jaded or cheated. I don't know why you should. Just find it. If, you, if it's so important to you and you feel that you're angry at me because what I may have to offer you is of value to you, but you're denied it because you can't afford it, absolute rubbish. Go to Kindle. Go download a book and for $3, you get the same information that you would get for the very expensive stuff on audio or video. Okay, so it's just people whining, in my opinion, because they're not getting what they want. Or the truth is, they just want to complain. They just want to be bitchy or they have some other agenda that they're not putting out there. Okay, let alone all the trolls and haters that I have to deal with who are constantly creating ways to sabotage people and, you know, dis, dis, you know, uh, uh, connect them to send them in some other way, you know, because they have religious views or psychological issues or whatnot, which is the, the truth of it. Okay, let's call it what it is. So at the end of the day, I don't think there's any excuses. I can go to bed and sleep at night. I have done everything I can. In fact, we give out more free material than anybody I know in a similar field as us. And our stuff isn't hokey. Our stuff is legit, legit, full-on class material, okay, which is not cut down and said, well, this is the cheap version, but if you want the expensive version, come over. No, I give it 100%. So let the haters hate. Let the angry people be angry. And those who really want to know something or really think that I may have something to offer to them, they're willing to give it a shake, get the books. I, I don't know what else to say, but you know, I, I want to, to, to help everybody, and I believe I have and continue to do so. There's my rant. Okay, so get your hands on the material any way, shape, or form within reason. Please support Higher Balance. Please support what we're doing. Please, you know, the, the podcast we do for free, but it's not free. I'm paying the people in here per hour so they can pay their bills and feed themselves and pay for their medical insurance and do whatever they're doing in order for me to put this together. And I'm going to have to pay for somebody to edit out whatever from here and put it together so it's not like empty spaces for me getting phone calls and stuff. So, you, you know, it's free isn't even free. It's an expense for me. 
So there you go. I'm done. I'm going to shut up now. Okay. All right. Thank Goodbye, you. everybody. Thank you, Eric. All right. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 